ball is high. It is far. It is gone to win the game. The Mets are on their way back. World champions for the 27th time. Home plate for all things Major League Baseball. This is the Nosebleeds Podcast on WFUV Sports. I'm Jack Roach here with your favorite crew, Thomas Quigley, Ryan Craigware. We've got Mike Messina as the producer. Really a stacked squad. Um, an exciting episode. We've got so much to break down in the world of baseball. But first, here with my favorite guys. How are we doing today? So, so great. I'm so stoked. You know, shout out to the sports manager, whoever he is, to get this <laughs> crew together. This is a crew that we've done some great things together, and we're going to continue doing so here today. I've been way better right now. I mean, I'm kind of not feeling great at all. Oh, uh, I'm glad that you're so excited. I'm extremely. Un- <laughs> <laughs> the allergies are killing me. The pollen. Yeah, I'm getting killed. You too. know, I'm, it's usually the dust that does me in, but right now it's the it's the pollen. So um, now I'm feeling I'm feeling like an absolute dumpster fire. You know, baseball is one of those sports where everyone kind of has their own statistic, their own website. Some people love baseball reference. Some people like to get a little more advanced, a little more niche, go on fan graphs. And you sent me something the other day. It was almost like fan graphs for for allergies. Right, right. That was Weather Channel. The Weather Channel has a... um, Well, not quite as advanced, I guess. My bad. The Weather Channel... (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, anyway, the Weather Channel app has uh, an allergy 15-day forecast. Right now, um, today is uh, May 10th, and until May 15th, it is, it's above moderate. It's like halfway between moderate and very high. What's so. the weighted runs created plus of pollen right now? <laughs> yeah. it's killing me. The f- I, I don't know about that, but I know the FIP is around, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't even know. I don't really know what FIP is, I'll be honest. <laughs> FIP, fielding, <laughs> independent, yeah. Well, forget about that. We're not. We're not here. This is not the uh, the weather app podcast. Um, this is the nosebleed podcast. We have to talk about baseball. We have to talk about the Yankees. We're here in the Bronx, and not too far away is Yankee Stadium, where we're seeing some of the best baseball being played. Ryan Gregware shaking his head, got a grin all the way across his face. You know, what? what's going on in the Bronx right now? It's crazy because going into this year, and it's a theme, it was like the least enthusiastic I've been about a team in a long time. But it's taken not a long time to be excited about this group. Uh, coming off the heels of an 11-game win streak, taking two of three when you have three off days and only scoring five runs in three games and just take two of three. That's a huge win in my book when you get no offense at all. So there's been some fantastic pitching. That's definitely been the story, the rotation one through five. No one has shown any real weakness. No one has an ERA in the fours or anything like that. The bullpen's always great, and the lineup's been good enough. And they had some early struggles. Then they scored 10-plus runs in four or five games. So the culmination of having all three fats of the game going at different times has been why they have, as of right now, as of this recording, the best record in baseball. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like how I was feeling going into the season last year about the Red Sox. Nothing. No expectations. And they ended up being, you know, pretty good. Um... But, yeah, for the Yankees, uh, this is kind of what you've been waiting for, at least since 2019. Uh, this team is built to be successful, and uh, they're showing that right now. Um, I think it's sustainable because yeah. this is just this is what the expectations for this team were about. I was pretty surprised going into the season um, how they were continually in the top five of the power rankings, but, you know, they're proving me wrong right now, and uh, I hate to see that. <laughs> 
I okay. That that was the question that I wanted to get to, and, and let's just roll with it. Is this Yankees success sustainable? Right, so, yeah. and and I want to go a little bit deeper than just that question because something that has really impressed me has been the rotation uh, across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly Nasty Nestor. Well, of course. I mean, you did the report on him. I'd love to get some more info on him. Um, but a one four one ERA in 32 innings. Like, it's not like he's, you know, that was the only good game. He He's arguably been the best pitcher for the Yankees so far. You've got four guys, four starters with sub three ERAs. Yeah. That's not sustainable. Um, I mean, probably not, but like, yeah, Nestor Cortez probably won't finish the season with a one four one ERA. But just, I mean, just because you look at those sheer numbers, I, I think that's a a not a great reason to think. Why, like, there's no reason these pitchers can't keep doing what they're doing. Since Nestor Cortez's Yankees debut last year, he's the lowest ERA in the AL. Uh, James when was Tyone, that, by the way? Like middle of May of last year. This is you know 120 plus innings now. This is a track record. Two five five ERA. They put a graphic out today. Lowest in the American League in that time span. So he's been doing this now since he came up, since Matt Blake kind of reinvented him. Jamison Tyone, if you look at him from June on last year, he was in the threes. He was in the low threes in ERA. Jordan Montgomery, he's a guy that always flies under the radar because he doesn't have the flashy stuff, but he just gets outs. And Garrett Cole from, you know, those first two bad starts, everyone's writing him off. Suddenly he has an ERA in the twos. So I don't think you can you can look at the individual numbers and say they're probably not going to stay this consistent, but everyone has shown the ability to show up at different times in their career. And you go back to just the last two years. These are guys that are doing what they've been doing, what Matt Blake's been able to do, reinventing this staff, adding that kind of slider-cutter combo. That's sustainable because all the guys that have done so have a lot of success with that pitch. And until hitters figure it out, I, I don't see where it slows down. So I get, you know, the rationale of you're not going to have four all-star pitchers, but there's no reason to think that this rotation with everything that Matt Blake has kind of instilled in them is going to be a weakness like it's been in years past. We talk about 2019, 2020. These are teams that just didn't have good rotations. It's very clear that this team, regardless of if they keep up the exact numbers, is different in that regard. Can I follow up on that? Because I, I'm looking a little bit deeper at, at Nestor's numbers, right? And you know, I, I don't want to detract from the report you did. Um, everyone who whoever's listening to this should immediately pause this and go listen to that. But I want to ask a question specifically about him because I'm looking at his numbers. It's not just the ERA. It's not like I'm shocked. He's leading the team in strikeouts per nine innings. You know, that doesn't just happen. It's He's not just pitching to outs. He's striking guys out. Like what has changed for him? It's crazy because he's the one guy, no matter what statistic, whatever you want to go to, he's just an anomaly in that sense where his stuff isn't that great. He doesn't throw hard at all, but he just gets outs. And he's taking the step that I think you made a great point of talking about. He's taking a step from just pitching to soft contact. He's just mowing guys down. He's top, I think, 10 in strikeouts per nines in baseball this year, 11 strikeouts in that game yesterday where he goes seven and a third 11 strikeouts seven and a third no hit yeah 11 Do you know how many pitches he threw i'm just curious. it was it was 103 104 oh, wow. and that was his um yankees career high or something like that it was around that number i think it was tied his career has 104 it was like 103 or something like that so yeah he it's crazy that he's become the strikeout guy 
A lot of it has to do with his kind of funky mechanics where he'll keep batters very uncomfortable. We know Quiggs is an FUCB star. You, you want to get in a routine behind the plate, and when one pitcher getting quick pitch, the other one he's going sidearm, the arm angle, the delivery, all that stuff, it's hard to keep up even if it is just 88-mile-an-hour cutter. So I think a lot of that you have to just credit to him being true to himself because you talked about that report I did. He, he said, uh, you know, in doing that research, he abandoned the kind of funkiness in the minors because he was embarrassed. He didn't think coaches would like it. And then when his back was against the wall, he went back to it. He embraced the kind of funkiness in his arsenal, and that's a big reason he's been successful. So the strikeouts, they've been just fantastic. And he overall, I think it's fair to say, we're talking about it now, has been the story of this very successful start of the year. There was a clip last year that went viral, I'm sure you guys know, of uh, him pitching to Shohei. Yes. And um, and he he presents like four or five different different looks off the mound. Obviously, like with his pauses, takes like a little bit of a shimmy before uh, pitching. Then he goes a quick pitch, and it's like he it, it, it looks like he's just trying pulling out all the stops just to get Shohei out. And eventually, he flies out to like the deepest part of the the ballpark, which, which is, is like, like fifteen, like two hundred feet at Yankee Stadium, <laughs> um, Lamity Field. But um, but. No, now you're seeing that that's actually working, which is hilarious. No, that he's not just gimmicky. Uh, these gimmicks are working, and if it works, it works. Um, and you can see that because he's leading his team uh, to the top of the ALEs. I guess I'm just in a little disbelief, right? Because, like, you use the word gimmick. You don't gimmick your way into 12 strikeouts per, per nine well, that, innings. That's yeah. what I'm saying. It's not a gimmick if you it know? works. And, and what I'm ultimately baffled by is why the expectations for this team were so lukewarm you know yeah and why things have been so different 30 games almost 30 games into the season like this isn't an insignificant amount of games being played this isn't small sample size like this team is ultra talented it's a great question because you know, we talk about going into the year just like yeah, this team is not very good. And from the pure pitching side, I think the rotation, just no one expected everyone to stay to their form. You know, Luis Severino is a huge question mark, and I believe he'll get the start tonight. Um, but his stuff is the second best on the staff outside of Garrett Cole, and he's been the fifth best pitcher on the team just because you've had the guys that were there last year and frankly carried the team because it was the pitching last year that propelled them to that wild card berth. Uh, the hitting just was so inconsistent, so many guys in and out. And this year, early in the year, like the first 10 games, they're already shut out twice to the Tigers, the Orioles. It's all right, this is the same thing. Then they came around 10-plus runs and 4-5. Suddenly they're leading the league in homers. But the pitching is what makes, I think, overall, back to your original question, sustainable because pitching wins. It wins over a long term. We always talk about that every year. You need really good pitching to go far if you really want to have a shot. So I think it's just kind of embracing that's the approach. They're not necessarily the Bronx bombers of the past. They're going to slug their way to every win. They're going to be dominated by pitching. And, hey, listen, it's it's how they've been beaten every year when they falter. So there's no reason I, I you know I disagree with the approach to kind of switch it up and go all in on the pitching side of things. Yeah, if you think about it, last year, I mean, they were they won 92 games, uh, tied with the Red Sox, got into that wild card game. But if they they that was maybe like what six or seven wins under their their expected, yeah. and they started the season terrible, really bad. And they had a fantastic. If you just look at their season from what was it like Ju- June or late June, maybe They're July, 41 on. 41, and then and then really turned it off. Exactly. So I mean, this is just the team that we saw end the regular season. Obviously, a wild card game. 
It's one game. I mean, who knows who wins a, a best of seven series between the Red Sox and Yankees last year? So, I mean, you could take as much from you want as much as you want from that one playoff game that they had. But um, this is the team that we saw at the end of the regular season last year, and you know, I think we'll probably continue to see them. Uh, you know, play the way they they have been for the past what, like two hundred fifty days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, last year's last year. Like, and I get that they're keeping the yeah. the momentum from last year, but at, you know, that, I wouldn't even say it's just momentum. I just say that's that, that's how they're expected to play. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. And, and I think it's funny that last year, um, with with the catching situation, so much so much has changed. Right now, you've got Higgy and you've got Trevino. And it seems like recently one guy's been getting more playing time over the other. Yeah, so they've this was part of their kind of going all in on pitching approach where they trade Gary Sanchez and his bat we know has potential to be very, very good, but the defense was never there. Kyle Higashioka, you know, offered a kind of he's got a home runner bust, he'll luck into some homers, and he's gonna be a very good defensive catcher, but he hasn't hit a home run this year. He had seven in spring and kind of wasted them all. He's, as you mentioned, Jose Trevino, a guy that wasn't even on the radar. Ben Wortvet in the Gary Sanchez trade gets hurt. They need a backup catcher. He's the perfect fit in terms of he's number one in every percentile and pitch framing, mm-hmm. all that stuff. He has a light bat. Like He's going to hit a few singles here and there, and he's actually got some big hits for this team this year. Funny enough, but that approach in yesterday's game, he catches Nestor Cortez day, uh, day game after a night game. So they have a lot of confidence because that's not something you traditionally do when you platoon catchers, and he just stole strikes all night from Nestor Cortez. Nestor Cortez does not carry a no-hitter into the eighth inning without Jose Trevino. Frankly, his command wasn't great. He had four walks. He probably has six or seven without that. So that approach, they've almost become an NL team where they have a pitcher hitting Mm -hmm. ninth with the catcher because it's just been zero offense, like a 400 OPS from the nine hole, but hey, if they're going to keep pitching and one through eight are going to hit, there's no reason to kind of disabandon this approach. And Jose Trevino fits that mold perfectly. Could we say that the most impactful move that the Yankees made this offseason was getting rid of Gary Sanchez? I mean, it's he hasn't hit and he can't field, so it could be addition by subtraction in a sense. I think as good as the pitching staff has been, yeah, and a lot of that has to go with the catching. So I think it's Anthony Rizzo still um, with re-signing him because yeah, he's, I mean, he's, he's top on the five. team, though. Yeah, but he's a free agent, and you know they looked elsewhere. They they went deep into the Matt Olson Sweet Sakes. Mm-hmm. They, they, they kicked the tires. They were the finalists for Freddie Freeman, and it seemed like Anthony Rizzo, I think, to your point earlier, why there was an unspectacular feeling going to this year. It was like, oh, we're going to do that again. Like, it was fine. He, he raked, got COVID, then couldn't hit. But this year, having a full year under his belt, just the winning – and I'm a big stats guy, but he just brings a winning atmosphere to a club. Um, and you've seen it this year, him going to the mound, the leadership steps that he's taken. And then it doesn't hurt when you have, you're have you the first player to nine homers and you have a three-homer game. So I think he's probably the move, but I get where you're coming from. And I was someone, I was sad to see Gary go. He gave us a lot of good memories, but um, I think it was just the right call all the way around for Brian Cashman. Listen, I'm the first guy that loves to talk about how good the Yankees are, but um, <laughs> would you mind if I uh, redirect the conversation a little bit? Because I want to address... Uh, Rangers manager Chris Woodward <laughs> on Dude, his comment uh, following Glaber Torres' walk-off home run. He said, uh, that's an easy out in 99% of ballparks. He just happened to hit it in a Little League ballpark to right field. Now, he has since said that he wants, he, he wants to recant on that statement. After he got all the criticism. Uh, yeah, and um, this is also the same guy that chastised uh, 
uh, Tatis, Tatis, Tatis right? right? And that was and two years ago game. for yeah. uh, for hitting Swing a grand it. slam, yes. up seven runs. You know, that was four. Oh, they're up four. It was a three zero count. Right, right, three zero count, up four. Yeah. So, um, anyway, what are your thoughts on this? Oh, he's an absolute clown. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's a few different ways you can approach it, but the the big part is the ball was hit three hundred sixty five feet. No, and it was three sixty nine. Okay, even better, and it was a home run in 26 of 30 ballparks. Yeah. Like, you could take that approach where it's like, I mean, if you're going to say the short porch is a thing, sure, but at least have it be on a short porch homer. The Rangers did a short porch homer in that game. Like, they did. That, that's how they got their oh run. Oh, God. And then Glaber, Glaber Torres' home run wasn't, and then they hit one again the next game. And it wasn't until after the fact that he's talking about how it's a joke when everyone criticized him and he lost. So, I mean, like, I think it was ridiculous. Uh, it's funny because the last play of the game that uh, was hit out to left field, um, there's a runner on first. The Yankees were up one nothing. It would have been a home run in, and I don't have it in front of me, to left field in 22 of 30 ballparks. So if they're playing a Little League ballpark, the Rangers win that game. It's unfortunate for them. And, yeah, I mean, Chris Woodward, it's funny because he was a finalist for the job. So <laughs> I- I'm glad that you make that decision not to bring him in. And he had he saved his face, said it's a cathedral, and he was joking. But you have to say that after you just mathematically get proven incorrect. So this is today's May 10th. This was May 8th? Yeah. Yes. Eli White versus Jordan Montgomery. This is according to Would It Dong. Yes, that's it's Would It Dong. <laughs> so they, what they do is they take all the yes. metrics and say, you know, they, they're who provided you that stat that you're, it's out. Eli White versus Jordan Montgomery. I hate that I'm even bringing this up, but his home run, short porch, right field, would have gone out in two of 30 yeah, ballparks. And that's how they won the game. Uh, like, one last thing on the Yankees. What would you rate Glaber Torres as great? Yes, what would you rate it? <laughs> it wasn't wait, too bad me, in my wait, opinion. Let me pull it up. Um, you know, yeah, off I'm the just... top of my head without seeing it, I'll I'll give it a ten out of ten for the win. Real um, quick wrap up on the Yankees. All, all jokes. We love the gritty here at WFUV. You love the gritty. I love the gritty. Actually, I'll do the gritty. That, but... Yeah, give me a rating. Give me a rating. Wait, so you gotta see the tape. I need I'm a gut. Up, I need a gut. Yeah. I gotta see it again. I'm looking too, at actually. I'm looking at it in slow mo right now. Slow motion. All right. He's going. He's going. He's going. He's there. Oh. Great play by play. Yeah, I know, right? This is like when I was calling uh, swimming for uh, <laughs> oh, ESPN man. Plus. Yeah, please don't. I'm gonna say that it's like a five because I I don't think he committed very well. <laughs> he didn't commit. That's and, it. Uh, my question is like, when you're ra- like, at what point do you know I'm hitting the gritty? It's not before you get. I think I think what he did is you high five the third base. Coach. He might have delayed okay. it a little. Yeah, too that's much. why I think he should have broke it out earlier. Yeah, in my opinion. Now, what if he did? I, I mean, pitchers are upset with guys celebrating. Some people love it. Some people hate it. What if instead of the bat flip, you gritty all the way around? <laughs> when I hit you a 450 get, foot homer, I'm doing in that. the softball game. Yes, in the softball game. All right, you all will right. never not see a ball thrown at your head ever again if you gritty around the entire. <laughs> like I, I, I hate unwritten rules, but that's just such an absurd move. It would also take forever. <laughs> Yankees just might be the hottest team in the AL, playing great baseball. We got to shift it over to the NL, though. We're going to hop a few burrows because the Mets are just crushing it. I mean, we love talking about the Yankees, uh, especially with some of the rivalries here at the station. But we've got some Mets supporters, some some diehard Mets fans here. 
and they're having a great season so far. 20 and 10 on top of the NL East, up six games on on the Braves who are there in the second spot. Is this what we were expecting going into the season? I, I don't think I was expecting them to w- not lose a series in mid-May like that. That's been the most surprising thing. They just two of three, two of three, two of three. It's robotic. It's it's truly, I think they split one four-game series. And besides that, they have taken every single series. So that's been, I think, the story of one of the stories of baseball, their resiliency. And they have a game versus the Phillies where they blow a four-run lead. And then they, you know, they lose the game. And it's like, all right, this is the Mets we've seen every year. You're going to have a good two weeks. You're going to falter off. But they bounce back, and then they have games where they come back from six in the ninth, seven to one, going to the ninth inning versus the Phillies. They win that game. So the culture's been different for a little while now, but now you're seeing the results, and this is finally the regime that Steve Cohen's brought in from top to bottom. It's not any holdover guys. So I'm surprised, I guess, in how quickly they took off. I mm-hmm. thought I thought they'd be battling a little more, but but truthfully, I can't see a scenario where they do fall off. I think just top to bottom, they're doing this all. They have the best starting pitching rotation here in baseball without the best pitcher in baseball. So you want to talk about you know how that evens out if he even does like the fact that they don't have Jacob Degrom right now and they still have the best starting rotation ERA in baseball tells you everything you need to know about how legit this team is. So you really can't say too many bad things about the Mets this year. Not addressing the bullpen enough, it'll it'll bite them a little bit this year. But revamp the lineup, the rotation's been phenomenal, and they are right now battling with the Dodgers. I think for the best team in the NL. Yeah, no, you love OPS. I mean, they got three guys above 800 with uh, McNeil, Alonzo, and Nimmo. The offense has definitely complemented this pitching staff. We we knew going into this season that the pitching staff was going to be one of the best in baseball, even without DeGrom. And obviously a lot of Mets fans and just people who love baseball uh, were really bummed out to see that, uh, that DeGrom wasn't going to be ready to go by the start of the season. But no, the Mets have not faltered at all. And... Uh, it is fun. It's good to see that we have uh, we have a full on rivalry between the two New York teams in baseball. And when was the last time that both of those teams were good at the same time? Well, when they played, it had to be like what two thousand, right, in the World Series. Well, I, I think that last year when they played each other. That that was it. I think the Mets were still in first place. Oh, the so they played yeah, but at the first series. That was when the Yankees stunk. That was mm. they actually. If you watch the Nestor Cortez video, the the game that turned the season around was they lose game one of the doubleheader. Chapman blows the save in the ninth. They go to forty one and forty one on the verge of getting swept to the Mets. That was Nestor Cortez's first start as a Yankee. He sh- he shoves in that game. They win that game. They win five straight, and then their season takes off. So then the Mets kind of teetered when they got hot. But yeah, it's not rare. I, in 2015, when the Mets uh, went to the World Series, they both made the playoffs. That's the last time since that they've both made it. So it definitely is not something we've seen in a while. Well, the Mets really, I mean, especially the the rotation, have been so impressive at the beginning of the year. You hear that DeGrom's dealing with something in the arm, isn't going to be ready to go. Two hours ago, the Mets announced that they picked up uh, a pitcher off the waivers um, because Jacob DeGrom has been transferred to the 60-day IL. Wow. Um, which I uh, – this is the first time I'm seeing this. Uh, I I literally just did a Google search, and that's the first thing I see. DeGrom out 60 days. Um, you don't put a guy – to the 60-day IL unless he's, he's dealing with something serious. Yeah, I think you have to, if you're the Mets, just assume he's not coming back and anything you get is kind of a plus. But I, I definitely 
don't and they don't need him to bail them out though. That's the beauty of what this rotation's been. They have four guys who are you know sub three ERA. So it stinks. It's a bummer for baseball. Remember last year, just the dominance of him that first half of the year. Uh, he just got to stay healthy, and he hasn't done so the last two years. Yeah, I mean, Quiggs, I'm sure you can you know this as well as I do. Last year, almost a similar kind of timeline with Chris Sale. You hear that he's not ready for the beginning of the season, and then actually it's the same this year too. And then he gets sent to the 60-day IL. Mm-hmm. And he comes back. He shows the potential. He flashes it, but really just didn't have it the whole year after that. I mean, if the Mets are in a situation where they don't have, and it's not even just like 90, you know, 80, 90% Jacob DeGrom, because that alone is like an all star caliber talent. But it's the consistency. Like, are, are we concerned? about the ceiling of this Mets team if they don't have an everyday DeGrom? Well, the good thing is they might have the second best thing, which is an everyday Max Scherzer. So so that's what I'll say there. But, uh, yeah, I think I think you talk about ceiling and long-term, you and, you know, the 60-day hour, we should be noted, what that does is it helps create a 40-man spot. So mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily, you know, destroy the timeline for him coming back. But, I mean, everything we've heard has been a setback, like, in terms of the last three months. So I think you operate with whatever you get. But ceiling in terms of playoff, to be able to throw out Scherzer ground one and two, to not have that. And I know you have Chris Bassett, who's balled out, and Tyler McGill. His stuff's phenomenal. But there just is a different level when you have 1A and 1B and maybe the sport going for you. So talking about ceiling, I think long-term, they can get to the playoffs. They can win games. They can win the division and everything, I think, without DeGrom. But but long-term, you're not, you are not, if the, you're the Mets, doing what you haven't done since 1986 without your best player. I know some mm-hmm. teams... We saw the Braves do it last year, but the Mets, they're not going to be able to win a World Series without DeGrom, and I know that's thinking so far in advance, but that should be what the ceiling is with this team healthy, so that's why I bring that up, truthfully. Yeah, I mean, uh, you mentioned Sale earlier. With uh, with his situation, obviously, I, I I don't like think that like any of his injury this year and the reason that he's not able to play um, is because they brought him back too early. I wouldn't say that at all. That's not what I'm trying to claim. All right, but I'm saying that, like, and I'm not either. But I think it who kind says of, that though? I'm just saying that it might give like a little bit of a of a, a a cautionary tale to the Mets just because you had a guy that you brought back and he was like you know maybe what, what would you say the sale was like seventy percent himself last year like he wasn't like see there it were, was the consistent it, it was the consistency there were games when he was ninety you know and there were games when he was you know zero yeah and what we got out of DeGrom last year and in the short time that he actually pitched was he was 100% the entire time um so if you I don't know you, you definitely don't want to rush him back uh especially because you have this team that can win without him uh so I don't think that they'll be too you know too eager to bring him back right now I mean obviously everybody's eager to see DeGrom back on the mound but uh if you have a team that can get you at least to the playoffs you know I just I just would caution them to not rush him back. And the 60-day IL really makes me think, all right, well, they're taking it pretty serious. Yeah, I I completely agree. And I'm looking at this Mets team. You you know, I I talked about you've got a bunch of guys sub-3 ERA with the Yankees. Well, you've got the same Same thing thing. with the Mets. You know, Scherzer, Bassett, McGill, and Carrasco has even been good in his uh, 30 innings this year. 
They've got a great rotation. We knew they were going to have that, though. And I think something that has impressed a lot of people, especially me, has been the lineup this year. I mean, for me, I, I think a real good way just to kind of, without going too deep into uh, the 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 numbers, OPS Plus, I think, is a pretty good stat. Yes. And you've got guys that, like, especially with, it's, it's hard to look at the statistics this year because of the baseball. You know, like everyone's Every, talking yeah, about everything's the, worse. the dead ball and guy. Like, I look at Francisco Lindor. Oh, 742 OPS. That's not too great. But he's got a 120 OPS plus. Like, he's 20% better than the average shortstop. You know, that that shocks me. But the, the team has three guys with, you know, darn close to 150 OPS plus really hitting the ball well. Is that a surprise to you guys? So I think they had a big decision to make in this offseason what they wanted to do, and they almost decided to, to change everything. They let Conforto walk. They bring in Marte. They keep. They decide to keep Jeff McNeil. That's the one guy that they really relied on a big bounce back. He's been nice. He he's one of those smoking three guys. The ball. He's got a 148 I, OPS plus. Brandon Nimmo is just phenomenal, and if he's healthy, he's always going to be a huge hitter um, in center field. So I don't think – it surprises me that none of them are Lindor. It surprises me mm-hmm. that, you know, he, he started off red hot. He was, I think, you know, one of the MVP candidates through a week, week two plucks, um, and then he kind of slowed down, didn't hit for another few weeks. But I think when, when you look at the lineup, it's going to do enough, and the pitching will 100% more than the Yankees. The pitching will bring this team everywhere it goes. But when you have run producers – in the middle of your lineup, like Pete Alonso, and then you have the table setters at the top. It doesn't surprise me a ton because, unlike years past, there aren't that many spots in this lineup a pitcher can just kind of pick at. They can't pick at seven through nine and just have coast an inning. So that's what's different with this team, and I think that overall reflects in everyone, you know, kind of hitting in the lineup. Yeah, you didn't even mention uh, Mark Canna, and I yeah, feel he's like been he, phenomenal. He might like obviously, you know, it's been a pretty short sample size thus far, and. Uh, Max Scherzer has much, you know, of a more prestigious career behind him. But in the games that we've saw, seen thus far, you could make the argument that Mark Canna is the biggest offseason uh, signing for the Mets thus far this season. That's, I might even that's that. crazy. I just just saying. In terms far. of the bargain, like two for yeah. twenty-two, and this guy. This oh, guy I didn't just, realize we were talking like. Uh, well, that's that. That's how I justify well, that crazy take. That, okay, I'm just saying thus far. Like, obviously, based on how they've performed, not, move, not, or w- not, not the future, or just not like move or signing. Move. It should say the same. Max Scherzer. No, 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 no. But it's not just Scherzer. Bassett. Yeah, I mean, and he's someone we haven't brought up. He top ten in the ERA last year and kind of flew completely under the radar. He's a three two five. He's good too. Yeah, he's better than Mark Hanna. <laughs> right, no, I love Mark Hanna though. No, he's good. He's a good move. He's a good. You, I'm you, sorry, I'm not trying you to take away. He's good on both the offense and defensive side. <laughs> All right, but but again, Lindor and here's another guy. Starling Marte was one of their biggest moves, and he is not swinging the hottest bat. Neither is Francisco Lindor, but the Mets they're sixth, still finding a way. Sixth yeah. in the MLB. In runs per game, I guess what what I want to kind of finish up with on the Mets is they've been a lot better than the rest of the teams in the NL East. The Braves kind of struggling. The Phillies have had some awful implosions. Yep. Uh, one of them was at the hands of the Mets. Um, that was an embarrassing game, seven to one, going into the ninth inning. 
Um, Mets come back, pull that one off. But the NL East has been a little shaky to start this year off. Mets are the only team above 500. Do we expect them to stay at the top of the NL East? Well, it's funny because we could have had the same. I, I think if you copy and pasted everything you just said, you put it into last year, it would have been statistically true because that division was horrible through even like 90 games and then what happened a team in that division won the world Mm -hmm. series so i do not expect the braves to continue to struggle the way they Mm -hmm. have especially with acuna coming back and what they did last year um you know you ask i expect them to be in the mix but at the end of the day i i trust the braves a lot the mets were 100 in my mind three wild cards set it and forget it be in the playoff picture but last year still fresh in my mind and last year i was big on saying yes they will stay at the top. They, uh, I think, broke the record for the most days in first place without making the playoffs. So I'm not going to get burned again. Um, you know, I expect the Braves to heat up. I expect the Phillies to kind of figure it out a little bit if they address the bullpen. But the Mets, at the end of the day, I think they they're better built than either those teams are for the playoffs, and that is what in this new expanded playoff format where almost half the teams make the league. That's what's most important at the end of the day. Yeah, I like the Mets going forward. I'm going to pick them to win this division, although I do think the Braves will heat up at some point, and the Phillies, I mean, their lineup's just, it's really scary. So I think they're going to be in the mix continually. It is, the, the question is, will it be a, like a, a typical Mets season where they start out, you know, decent, and then uh, and then they just completely fall off middle of this, this summer when the dog days come around? I don't know. But it does it does seem a little bit like the, uh, the energy's different in, in uh, Flushing right now. Yeah, I mean... I don't know. Well, here's what I want to say. The Braves have struggled immensely, right? Coming off as you know, they they won the World Series. They're they're the World Series. They they're the reigning champs. I think you could make the case that this team right now is better than that team. You're saying the Braves are better than last year's Braves team? Yes. Maybe on paper, but not the way they were playing. My point is they struggled throughout the year and they got hot at the right time and they pulled it off. And now you've got you've got Acuna. I right. mean, as good On as paper, Freddie yes, Freeman are, is. I mean, they replaced him with Matt Olson, who is that's still a top five for his baseman. Exactly. Yeah, so that's like that. like ninety percent of Freddie Freeman. And the one thing I'll say is what made them so successful last year is they made like four moves at the deadline and all of them were 10 out of 10 mm-hmm. you don't get that is not sustainable you no. don't hit on every single move you have guys that were hitting 200 on other teams and they're hitting lead off in game four of the world series you are not getting that again so on paper i i definitely think it's a better team but maybe regular season that works out but i mean they were just so hot at the end of last year that i think you kind of have to kind of you put last year in the rearview mirror you look at this current club it's a really good team they're gonna get better than how they are now yeah, I mean, also getting hot is not sustainable, and that's exactly what they did near the end of the last season. Um, and they went up against, you know, a super team, the LA Dodgers. It's going to be hard to beat the LA Dodgers in NLCS this year again, which, you know, I assume they'll be back because they're a terrific team. They are built to win. They are built to win now. Um, so, you know, it's, 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 it's tough to rest your laurels on your team having, once again, another spectacular trade deadline, and then, too, just getting, you know, all things going in the right direction at the right time. So, you know, I'm not picking them to even come close to the World Series this year. I don't yeah, know. but you know what? Forget about I'm the so Dodgers. Forget about the Dodgers. And this is the last thing I, I'm talking the about. They're no, hot. no, no. Forget about the Dodgers because <laughs> they don't play in the NL East. 
I'm talking about the okay. division that the Mets and the Braves play in, where the Mets are number one and the Braves are number two. You know, we've seen this happen before. We saw it happen last year. The Mets were the best team in the NL East, and you know what? This team gives you a different feel than last year. Oh, yeah. But already you've got a huge blow and DeGrom being gone, right? And Lindor, the guy that you signed to that big contract, is not performing year in, year in. It's, you know... It's insane, too. I want to make a point how Mets fans continue to defend him so much. I've never seen a team defend a $341 million player who's been an average hitter for the last two years. It's really... You go back to, like, the 2020 on... Francisco Lindor has like a 740 OPS. It, it truly is insane to me, and I get in arguments all the time. It's like, I, I mean, I get defending your guys, and I know Yankees fans are irrational because they'll boo a guy after two games, mm-hmm. but at a certain time, Francisco Lindor needs to just kind of blow up, and you're still waiting for it. He's been a league average hitter with the Mets. And, and even he, the season before then. No, no, in his tenure with right, the Mets. Yeah. And you're talking about the Cleveland season. Yeah. yeah. Right, 60 games. So, But, I mean, you can even add that to a, a yeah. year-plus sample size. No, That's, you're right, you're right. But I guess what I'm trying to say is as impactful as those Braves moves were, for, forget about those guys. The Braves got their own addition internally, and that's getting one of the best players in baseball back. You know, and the team got hot, but all I'm saying is as good as the Mets are doing right now would not shock me to see them creep up. You know, it might not be May. It might not oh, be no. June. It could be August. You know, but it could be August. It you was last me, year. Yeah. Would you be surprised if August rolls around and the Braves are sitting on top of the NL East? Uh, no, not at all. I'd be way more surprised if the Nationals or Marlins were. That's for sure. <laughs> right? But if the Dodgers? What if it was the Dodgers? <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> well, that, would be, that would be crazy. <laughs> My point is, as good yet, as this Mets more team is, sorry. they're not impenetrable. You yeah. know, th- this team can be beat. Oh, I mean, like, the, they're the, the Mets. Not they are the Mets, after all. They have Edwin Diaz, who is now an elite reliever, and outside of that, you are crossing your fingers every time they go on the mound. So there definitely is an area they can get hit there. And also, Carlos Carrasco last year had like a 6 ERA. Taiwan Walker ended the year 0-7 with a 5 ERA. Those are guys that have bounced back so far, but they're definitely definitely things are obviously great right now. I've already praised the Mets a lot, but it, it would surprise me more, Jack, if the Braves at some point in the next three months are on top of the division. That would surprise me more than if they are in August. So you're saying you're expecting At kind of a late point, burn. Like I mean, not, long... not even like to end the year. Just I think it's going to be a battle back and forth. I would be shocked if the Mets mm. run away with this thing. I guess the only thing we can do at this point is is wait. And that's the beauty of baseball. And watch it all happen. I'll be uh, covering one of those Mets games pretty will. soon. Shout out to our sports manager, Ryan Gregoire, getting me in a game at City Field. I Hopefully tried to go to one. this one doesn't uh, get rained out. I know. I'm kind of like the king of rainouts at this point. Mm. Yankees was one of them. But... I believe that will do it for our edition of the Nosebleeds. I've had so much fun, guys. Um, love talking about baseball with my favorite guys. Shout out Mike off. Messina, too. Well, I was going to thank okay. Mike Messina. First, I was going to thank my guys Ryan Gregoire, Thomas Quigley. I'm Jack Roach signing off with Mike Messina, our producer. You can listen to the Nosebleeds podcast on wherever you get your podcasts.